well, you know, these jobs were always supposed to be entry-level jobs, and a kid flipping burgers doesn't deserve $15 an hour. And I'm like, oh, have you been to McDonald's lately? There's no – I know my kid didn't flip burgers at McDonald's in high school. Yeah, interesting. Even even just a little bit that I'm at McDonald's. How many 15-year-olds are behind the counter? None. <laughs> Not that many. That. Oh, my gosh. I had actually never really thought of it that clearly. Yeah. Go to a McDonald's. You will not see 15-year-olds behind the counter. You will see people trying to feed 15-year-olds. And then they turn around and say, well, they should have gone to school. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> They're not making $15 an hour, and you don't want to give them free education, so how do they go to school? Uh, well, you know, and it's just, it just, it's just a circular conversation. But I find that people don't change their mind. Until it happens to them, until it affects them, their worldview doesn't change. They don't have that reflection and, and thought that maybe they could be wrong about something. They, they, they're on a tribe, they're on a team, and their team is never wrong. Welcome to Activist MMT, a podcast about nonviolent MMT direct activism, introducing modern monetary theory to the world and conversations about learning MMT together. I'm your host, Jeff Epstein. Today's part two of my two-part conversation with fourth-year MMT activist Bill Brennan. In 2017, Bill ran for the Democratic nomination for New Jersey governor. In 2016, Bill filed a citizen's complaint against then-Republican governor Chris Christie. We talk about both of these things in part one. Today, Bill and I continue discussing his journey to MMT and his relationship with his many conservative friends and their circular arguments. But for now, let's get right back to my conversation with Bill Brennan, who you can find on Twitter at Bill Brennan Says. Enjoy. yesterday because they know I'm, I'm a Democrat and there's a lot of people that I work with that are that are staunch Republicans. And he says, Joe Biden, Bill. And I'm like, well, what Joe Biden do to you? And he says, there any things? He says, well, he hasn't done anything to me, but I know a guy. He decided not to take a job as a longshoreman making $50 an hour to be a cook. And his wife is getting free medical care. So because so he didn't have to take the job. And I, and I, and I said to him, I said, you're really angry at the president of the United States, because your friend chose to do work that he preferred to do and was able to make that choice because he had medical care. I mean, just think about what you're saying here. You're, you're, you're mad that somebody else got some benefit and you don't care that American Airlines got bailed out and you don't care that the that, that, that corporations aren't paying taxes, but you're mad about the, the working class guy who decided he didn't want to lump, you know, 
hump boxes on the on the 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 the, the docks. And you're mad that I mean this whole idea that the, that the poor guy's out to get you, and that if, if people aren't suffering, then they're not good people. Um, and that has to be that has to come from you know my taxes are being wasted on this lazy guy or whatever. Yeah, that's that's his mindset. And I don't know what you do with that kind of mentality where you know these damn immigrants are the problem. I mean, the immigrants are the most powerless people on the planet. They have no voting rights. They have no constituent. They have to take the worst jobs in the world. But somehow they're responsible for the decisions of government that have made your life less comfortable than you want it to be. Immigrants stole my job, right? Yeah, immigrants yeah. stole my job. Well, so, they're not even stealing our jobs. I mean, nope. But, but, but my point <laughs> is, is that immigrants stealing my job is like they're, they're stealing American jobs. There's not enough jobs. We need to get rid of the immigrants. But who's the person that decides who to hire and who to not hire? So obviously, it's not the immigrant. They don't right. go into a job interview and put a gun against the guy's head. That doesn't make sense. And, so, obvi- and obviously, if, the, if, if hiring people for low wages was, was really a problem to the business community, they'd do something about it. But the business community likes to have an underclass of people that they can exploit because it, it makes it competitive. I mean, right now, for the first time in history, there's more jobs available that people won't take. But you know, when you're asking – Somebody to have a master's degree for $40,000 a year. No wonder nobody wants to be a teacher. You can make more money at Walmart as a cashier and a greeter than you can teaching students. And, you know, I'm going to work 10 years before I can compete with the Walmart wage. Not to mention student debt while along the way as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, there's not a shortage of workers. There's, there's, there's a shortage of workers willing to be exploited at this point. And that's wow, what a good way of saying it. I've never, never heard it from that angle. I've always said there's not a shortage of workers. There's a shortage of good paying jobs. But I like how you said it actually even better. <laughs> Say that again. There's not a shortage of workers. There's a shortage of workers willing to be exploited. Wow. Well said. Well said. Wow. I never heard it that way. Okay. Well, that's the first time I ever said it. So <laughs> You just told me something, Bill. That's awesome. Um, uh, okay. So, so I mean, I know, I, I know we spoke about MMT early on in your discovering it, but like, so, so how more specifically do you recall like the things that introduced you to MMT? Like, what, can you describe that journey a little bit more? Or like, well, how, do you have a memory of how you first heard about it? Yeah. I heard about it long before I met you and I sort of dismissed it. Um, I, I dismissed it because, well, if, if the money's got to be back by something and, you know, we got this debt and, you know, I didn't really think about it. And, so, you know, by the time I spoke to you, I, I, I had done enough of my own thinking about it. That's, that's part of my process. I'll be resistant to something, but it'll gnaw at me. So I'll think about it and I'll think about it. And I'll be like, you know, I can't make a good argument for the position that I'm taking. So I have to change my position. Um, and I, it's a shame that I'm not as open to new ideas as I should be from the get go, but at least I reflect on it and I, and I come to my own conclusions, which were pretty much the same conclusions that were initially presented to me, but I have to get there in my own, on my own time. Mm-hmm. Um, but my big thing was inflation, inflation, inflation. We're going to have inflation. They'll be, they'll be taking barrels of, I mean, I'm, I'm not, these weren't my words, but you know, this is where the arguments would be made. Remember what was it, Germany, where they were bringing barrels of cash to pay for a loaf of bread. And I had those, uh, you know, ideas in my head. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you start comparing that to the fact that, that the money isn't being spent where it needs to be spent right now. I mean, if, 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 if you give a, a working man 
a raise, he's going to spend that money. If you give a billionaire a tax cut, he's going to put it offshore in the Cayman Islands and is, is not going to do anything to circulate or there's no velocity to the money they're going to a rich person and there's velocity to a dollar to a poor person. And, hmm. you know, because, you know, if, 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 the, if the construction worker that was collecting unemployment and, and, and eating box lunches decides he's got enough money, A, he's going to take a public transportation to drive his car. He's going to eat lunch at the, at the, the local place. He's going to buy new boots. He's going to buy a new, new hammer. He's going to, you know, it's going to create, you know, a moving, it's going to move the economy. It's, it's mm-hmm. going to deconstipate the economy where... <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So, you know, it just, nothing I could have come up with in, in against MMT would hold water against what we're doing today, which is we're moving zeros around and creating this false idea of, of, of debt. Like, who do we owe the money to? Mm-hmm. We could print the money tomorrow and say, here, like, that's paid. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Here's, here's uh, oh, we owe you a billion dollars. Here's the one billion dollar coin. I don't know. We owe you a trillion dollars. Here's a trillion dollar coin. Spend mm-hmm. it in good health. Mm-hmm. Bonafotora, you know, Bonafotora, whatever. You know, good luck with your hit. Go, go, go do what you want with that million dollar platinum, that trillion dollar platinum coin. Now we have no debt. And okay. we can, since we're debt free, we can start this process all over again and we can build back better, which is what, you know, really I'm surprised Joe Biden is, is thrown in with the progressives um, uh, on, on this bold plan. Uh, what my problem is that with climate change and everything else we're facing is if we don't get, if we, this is just a good start. We really need MMT to, to get us out of the climate crisis. What does that mean to you? What does that statement mean to you? Well, we need MMT to get out of the climate crisis. What does that mean? Well, we're not going to tax people and go to a renewable energy source. We're, we're not going to tax people and shore up our infrastructure and, and, and protect our coasts. We're not going to tax people and, and stop the burning of the Amazon rainforest. But we can encourage people to do things differently by, you know, creating the resources, the same resources that were used to bail American Airlines out should be used to generate, um, you know, renewable income, whether it's hydro, solar, wind, uh, geothermic, or, you know, and I, I, again, another thing that I came around and not to digress, but I used to be totally against nuclear energy for the purpose of the waste. But I'm beginning to think that it's really the only short term solution to climate change is, is nuclear energy, because the, the capacity for renewable just isn't there yet to, mm-hmm. to, to, to eliminate fossil fuel. And we need to eliminate fossil fuel. Um, but that was a digression. Well, but actually, what, be- before you get off that digression, I actually just recently interviewed somebody not on this topic, but he happens to be very interested in this subject. And you actually, I should probably put you in touch with him because he's 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 an expert to an extent on nuclear power and the the uh, radioactive effects on on humans. Um, and he, he's very strong with that, that nuclear energy is the solution. And I, I'm not saying whether I agree or not. I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough, but you may be interested in talking with him. I'll introduce you. Yeah, no, it'd be fine. I mean, but again, this is again, part of my process. I was, I was adamant that nuclear energy was not the way to go, that we had to have, we had to have, uh, renew- all renewable. And when you, when you reality test that in time, we might be able to be with efficiencies and, and exploitation of, of more of the renewable resources in the planet, we might be able to get there, but we don't have that kind of time anymore. 
We have we're, eight billion. We, as I understand it, we have what like eight billion, eight some billion people right now. And at the by the end of the century, we might have the capacity for one billion. That's you know even if we were aggressively you know or start organizing that process right now and made really hard decisions right now, I think that would be pretty messy. But we're not making any of those decisions. We're still digging the hole deeper. So it's yeah. not. It's going to be messy. Is an understatement. So yeah, we have uh, whatever is going to happen. So it's going to something huge is going to happen not in the not too distant future, and it's going to be controlled or it's not going to be controlled. And it's obvious what path we're on right now. Yeah, no, and the and the cost to doing nothing is far exceeds the cost to 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 put a stop to it. Right. Um, okay. So any more? Any more? So you actually under you actually heard of MMT before we met. I did, and and I dismissed it, and and I had been sort of coming around to it. I. I in my own process before we talked, but I didn't have a full understanding of it. And then we but, talked but, about- but, but before we met, meaning before 2017. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, so I, do, do, you have, do you remember where you heard it? I don't. You don't? don't. Okay. Interesting. Because you actually discovered MMT before I did. I never even heard of it when we met. I well, you, you certainly knew more about it by the time by the time we met than I did. Because, you know, like what your explanation of-, of our debt to China and and the way the the Federal Reserve has an account so that the bank doesn't you know when, when I take a mortgage from the bank there's a separate account they they move some money to the bank some zeros over to the bank and the bank moves some zeros over to to whoever I'm buying the house from and you know the interest is paid to the bank and, you know that that sort of process I wasn't aware of. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And actually, I came up with a, a more concise way, uh, not a, a complimentary piece of information that I think is, that is helpful in that context. I'll say it quick. And that is uh, a, the difference between national debt and personal debt. Personal debt, you take out a loan and the, the bank creates money for you. So the bank is the lender, you're the borrower. There's two critical aspects of that really. And, and you're in debt. You're in, in, instantaneously in debt for the whole amount of that loan. And you're not out of debt until you pay it fully back, meaning you no longer have that money at all. So if you have bank money, by definition, you're in debt. Then that's uh, there's two char- critical characteristics to that. Number one, there's a higher authority. The bank and the lend- the borrower and the lender have a higher authority, which is the government. So, and number two is there is an incredible power imbalance between the borrower and the lender. You have no chance against the bank if you don't pay your back your loans. They will destroy you. Because they have the powers of the state, the state at their disposal. Now, the national context is, you know, supposedly the United States is borrowing its own money from China. Okay, so let's assume that that's true for a moment. Those two characteristics don't exist. There is no higher authority. There's no world government. There's no universe government. There's no higher authority. And number two, the power imbalance between China and the U.S. They're really, they're roughly speaking. The same power. So if there were some, if there were some, you know, China's going to come and tell us that we have to pay them back. And then if they don't, we don't pay them back, then they'll repossess our whatever. Okay. Then they'll be met with the U.S. military. You know, it's just, it's the comparison between personal debt. Well, just stop there. And, and if, if they, if they do insist on being paid back, what's to stop us from saying, okay, you want your trillion? Boom. Here, here's a trillion dollars. And that that way as well, but but what what would why would we do that? Why would well, we give into avoid that? war? If if they threaten war, if they decided they were going to you know use their military and and send a a, a million man army a, after us, oh you know what, I got a better idea. 
Okay, so that's another option, but but that that would be a pretty that would pre- be a pretty bold thing for them to do. Say basically hold us hostage for for money when we have the U.S. military. Just for a measly trillion dollars. Yeah, and when you explain you know, to me, what are they going to do with the trillion dollars? If you if you sent it over to them in, in on a cargo ship of 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 hundred dollar bills and, mm-hmm. and it was a giant freighter with packed with what where are they going to do with it? They're going to buy stuff from the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, the whole thing is ludicrous. I mean, when you when you when you look at what's going on here, it's all a shell game. Everything mm-hmm. that we're looking at is is a shell game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm astounded that it's so hard to get people to wrap their minds around this. But then again, I look at my journey. I didn't. I, I dismissed it out of hand, and then I it gnawed at me. It gnawed yeah. at me, and I thought about it. And I thought about it. Um, you know, and now uh, you know there's there's more talk about using this this Federal Reserve power to create state banks, where state banks can you know because it's derivative. So if if the state of New Jersey gets a billion dollars and they and they use a half a billion in banks, we only need a certain percentage of that to to, to give loans out for 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 public goods for 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 you know. If, if you wanted to give loans to low-income people, you don't have to have dollar for dollar. The bank doesn't have $100,000 when it loans me up, gives me a $100,000 mortgage. So if if the state of New Jersey gets a, a billion dollars, well, you could extrapolate that to $10 billion or more. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that only a state bank can, can issue those loans because private banks are, you know, by definition for profit and, and they're not going to, you know, they're not going to in, engage in any kind of altruistic spending or 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 public oh, yeah. banking. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and and I, if I'm under, I only vaguely understand that, but that seems to be something that would threaten the rich in New Jersey. That would take away the power of the rich in New Jersey. That would, if if there is federal funds coming into the into the state that would help the poor in any way, then that takes power away from. The billionaires in New Jersey, uh, Norcross, well, and uh, you know, there's there's several of them. I think at some point, the billionaires need to realize that when the balance gets too far and it goes too far, it's going to tip over. I mean, if, if all of the wealth is at the very top and the bottom of the boat has nothing, it's going to tip over, hmm. and it's in their interest to to have you know, they have all they need. They have more than they need. There's a sickness to to the billionaire mentality. Yeah, I don't understand what they get out of keeping people in poverty at this point. They have all that they need. They have absolute control. Um, are they are they just that sick? Are they like you know crazy cat lady? They need more cats and more cats uh-huh. and more cats. I mean, it's just how much is enough? And you know, the the crazy cat lady that had three cats and was managing the three cats. When she got to four hundred cats. Her life became unmanageable. So when you get to, but it's it's not about it's not about the amount of cats that you have. Someone with a lot of cats is happy that they have cats. Someone who's a billionaire is not happy that they have a billion dollars. They're happy that they have a lot more than everybody else. So that requires keeping that gap between the poor and the rich as wide as possible. Well, except that there's still an obsession with with collecting more than you can, more than you, more than you need. Or True. Some, somebody who hoards newspapers. They they have old newspapers from they have the Bergen Record from 1972 stacked up floor to ceiling. You can't walk around in their house anymore because there's no room. True, I, I and I, I think you're generally correct, but there's something important that I don't don't quite quite have my head around. There is something inherent 
where the cat lady in the newspaper, the hoarders, the collectors, that there's something inherent that it does not necessarily matter of what other people have Fair. with cats and with newspapers. There is something inherent with billionaires having power and money. There's something inherent with the relationship between billionaires and everybody else, whereas not with just collectors. So it, what I mean to say that there is incentive, there is, there is a big incentive to withholding and, and crushing everybody else when you're a billionaire. Well, I, 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 I see that. And that's also part of the obsession. That's true. That's true. You know, they, they're, they're, they're sick people and they're conditioned to, you know, they're callous to other people suffering in misery and they're indifferent to, you know, anything that would be good for the planet or good for anybody but themselves. And, and they're, you know, they've found a way to get people with no power to be the scapegoats for the actions of people that have all the power. I mean, it's just that simple. If there's something wrong with the United States right now, you know, trouble on a ship, look to the bridge. And the president is not on the bridge right now. The, the Congress is not on the bridge right now. It's, it's this, this top 1% of people with, with billions of dollars at their disposal. And, and the, the aspiring billionaires who are just at multimillionaire status, who feel that they shouldn't pay taxes because they earned their money. They earned it. It's not like there's these, these people on the, on the assembly line who, who didn't have the gumption to get up and borrow money at, at no risk and, and start a company and exploit people. They, they should do the same thing. If everybody could do it, then who would work the machines? Right. And those people on the bridge have put a lock on the door. So that nobody else can get in, but also they've they've propagandized everybody to not even realize that where that door is, and you know, yeah, no, so, and they told and they told people on the bow that that the people on the stern are sinking the boat, and they told the people on the stern that the people on the bow are 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 uh, not doing their work, and and they they told people you know keep looking below down deck, below and, deck that the people above deck are, are have locked the doors and they're not, and they don't want to show them any sunshine. So everybody on the ship is fighting with each other, and the guy on the bridge is smoking a cigar and drinking champagne. And it's and, it's, it's that's an interesting analogy. So 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 there's the captain on the bridge on the top, the door is locked. Everybody is looking down, though. Everybody's trying to get downstairs to try and persecute the person downstairs. So, so that implies that on the very bottom of the ship are the poorest people. What are they doing? They're just dealing with persecution again from everybody. But also, there's another element that kind of brings it full circle, which I don't quite understand how this how this connects specifically. But there's also another part of this, which is the ultimate solution is tax the rich. So that brings it back to the people on top to for everybody to say, you know, the, the solution to everything is tax the rich. Right. And, and, words, and if the captain would just steer this ship into the, the luxurious island of, of, of plenty and everybody could get off the ship and, and, and have their, their, their milk and honey, they'd be fine. But the captain, he has a boat, goes and picks up his milk and honey. He's got an unlimited supply of milk and honey. He's got all the milk and honey from that island that he wants. And he's keeping everybody out at sea fighting the tide and fighting the, the waves and fighting and fighting the elements for his benefit. I mean, mm -hmm. nobody's on that voyage because they want to be. They're all, they've all been Shanghai in, into this fight. One other, one other piece of this analogy, which actually I kind of want to think about this further later, but every floor, every, every like, you know, first class is, on, you know, whatever captain on the top, first class on the, on right below that second class, below that third class, below that steers below that every level looks down for what they fear to become and looks up for what they hope to be. 
And, in, and in, if we want to flush out the analogy, the first class cabins, they decide who the captain's going to be. That's true so, too. So that's if the captain too. decides that the people in the bilge are going to be able to come up and get three hours a day of sun, and that doesn't comport because they the, because the first class cabin don't want to look at these poor people getting sun, then they replace the captain with another captain who's going to say, "You stay down below deck and you come out at midnight from from twelve to twelve oh five. You you can get some fresh air, but then get back down in your place." Interesting. That's that's interesting too. And there's a final piece, which which is it, this all fits together. But there's a final piece, which is the idea of of um, means testing that we don't want to give anyone. Like you know, I, I think of free college. We we free you know, Pete Buttigieg. We want free college for everybody, but we don't want the rich people. We don't want the the children of Donald Trump getting free college. They should pay for it. So it's also this. It's also this free for everybody, but not for the people above us. And that is a way of depriving poor people because then poor people have to fill out an application to prove that they're poor. Yeah, and the process and, of, of, of determining who's, who's worthy and who's not costs more than it would. It, it's so cumbersome to, to means test somebody that it, it's, it's a poison pill. It, oh, it, know, it, it kills poor people. It's not just it, – it is what you're saying. It's administrative. It's a wasteful. It also kills people. Yeah. Mean, because, means testing kills you need, people. You need an accountant and an attorney to fill some of these things out. Right. And, and, it's, and it's also the debate – for how that means, what's the formula for means testing should be? Who's going to make those decisions? It, what is the, you know, the, what is the incentive? And, and of invariably, they set the means at the middle class so that the middle class don't get it. In other words, if you're, if you're, if you're a working family of, of four and you've got two incomes and you're making $125,000 a year, you're by no means rich, but your kid ain't getting a Pell Grant. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to resent the poor people and the rich people don't give a shit that you didn't get a Pell Grant because they don't need a Pell Grant. They, they, it's not something they need. And they don't even go to public colleges anyway. Right. Well, the Pell Grant would apply to any, any school. Um, well, yeah, but okay. But the, the, the fact of the matter is it's always the majority is going to have to do without. When you means test something, you, you're, going to, you're going to slice out the biggest slice of America, the, 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 the solid middle class, what's left of it. Are not going to be eligible for it because why should somebody who, who has a car and a phone and a house get get a, a, a subsidy for college tuition? They should have to pay like I did. It, it means testing is a, a way of holding poor people hostage for the idea of getting petty revenge on people who have more than you. That's what it is. Uh, you sometimes have interesting conversations on Facebook. Because you do have friends that are much more conservative, that are conservative, and there was an interesting conversation that you you made me aware of. Of uh, you know, he basically said China. You know, we you know the he. I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty close. He said it doesn't matter if you're a country or a corporation or a person. Debt is debt. If the bills come due and you can't pay, they're going to come and confiscate your stuff. And that's what got me thinking on on the, the summary that I had said earlier regarding personal versus national debt. Um, and, and unfortunately he didn't respond. I thought I, I thought I was happy with, with my response to him, but no, no one ever took the bait of any of that. So, so can you describe a little more about your relationship with your conservative friends and how this kind of stuff comes up? Well, a lot of it is illogical. Um, you know, my conservative friends are cops, firemen, um, and not all of them are, are conservative, but they're, 
they're they're jingoistic. They 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 watch Fox News, and they they form strong opinions. They're propagandized to be fearful of immigrants, to be angry at poor people, to be you know the, their biggest concern is that people were collecting unemployment, making more money sitting home than they would working. Right. And you can't come back to them and say, well, what does that tell you? If, if it's $600 a week is, is more than they're making working full time, mm-hmm. shouldn't they be making more money? Well, you know, these jobs were always supposed to be entry level jobs and a kid flipping burgers doesn't deserve $15 an hour. And I'm like, oh, have you been to McDonald's lately? There's no I know my kid didn't flip burgers at McDonald's in high school. Yeah, interesting. Even even just a little bit that I'm at McDonald's. How many 15-year-olds are behind the counter? None. <laughs> Not many. That. Oh, my gosh. I had actually never really thought of it that clearly. Yeah. Go to a McDonald's. You will not see 15-year-olds behind the counter. You will see people trying to feed 15-year-olds. And then they turn around and say, well, they should have gone to school. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) They're not making $15 an hour, and you don't want to give them free education, so how do they go to school? Uh, Well, you know, and it's just a circular conversation. But I find that people don't change their mind. Until it happens to them, until it affects them, their worldview doesn't change. They don't have that reflection and, and thought that maybe they could be wrong about something. They, they, they're on a tribe, they're on a team, and their team is never wrong. I mean, no matter what Trump did, he was never wrong. And no matter how many things he said that were absurd, it's Sleepy Joe, and he's, he doesn't know where he is. I mean, it's just these, like, you know, it, it, it's just impenetrable. And, and it, it's frightening that where we're headed now, because, you know, we're on the, we're on the precipice of losing our democracy. We're, we're, we're headed for minority rule permanently. And I don't know what we can do about it. You know, you're, you're saying the story of, of uh, your, your conservative friends are basically, uh, I don't remember exactly how you were saying they're it, in the but essentially- and They're complaining about the bilge people. Uh, you right. Know, so it's like- You're, you're going to give these people my leftovers? I, I, I paid my fare to get on this ship. Right. So, so it's a taxpayer myth. It's a scarcity myth, which is incorrect, but they believe it. Because they're comfortable. They're comfortable. But not only that, they also – the news that they watch doesn't show them the level below. The, the news that they watch never goes into the below level, the lower level to get their stories. So they can't identify with them. So you can only blame them so much because they are – they only watch – the only news available to a, a significant degree is news of, by, and for the rich. So – you know the fact that they can't identify with the levels below them is only partially their their fault. So I don't know. So yeah, it's protecting privilege to to a significant degree. It's protecting privilege, but that's kind of what, how the system is designed to to protect privilege at every level. There's all these tools. Even the debt ceiling is a tool to protect privilege. It's a tool to deprive the poor, but to pretend that you don't want to deprive the poor. So I don't want to do, I don't want to give healthcare to all people or whatever, whatever the issue is, because it an illegal immigrant would get it. You know, it's, it's, it's falling for. Well, I'll give you one argument that, that is, you know, if you look at somebody who, for instance, a, a firefighter can retire after 25 years in New Jersey. So chances are he's going to be 55, 60 years old. And for that period of time, between the time he's 60 and he's 65, he's paying for his a portion of his medical benefits, his, his health insurance. 
And then when he's 65, he gets Medicare and, and the, the, the pension insurance, the, the, the state-sponsored insurance becomes secondary and it either becomes low cost or no cost to him. So when you explain to him that if, if Bernie were right, if you, give, if you lowered the Medicare age to 60 from 65 and you added vision and dental, you would not have to pay that five years of premiums because you've already paid into Medicare. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, I'm all for that. You know, as long as you can break it down to what's in it for them, mm-hmm. then then they'll go for it. But but I don't want Ill, Ill, Ill aliens getting a, you know, they're getting all kinds of benefits. And, and well, then, let's say that to a 65 year old. So 65 year old retires, and we're going to lower the benefits to 60. And, and then he and turns I, around and said, "Oh, I suffered. They should suffer. I suffered, and I turned out okay." Yeah, well, that's like saying I paid off my student loans. Why should why should this guy get it back? Well, let me tell you why. Because that money goes into the economy and it creates jobs. But because if, if I'm paying medical premiums, then I have that much less money to spend. If I'm paying off student loans, then I can't buy your house from you at the price you want. Then I can't mm-hmm. afford the car that's going to put the auto worker to work. I'm still riding my bicycle because I, I've got a $150,000 mortgage on my on this piece of paper that I can't get a job that pays more than 50000 with. But if you free me up from that ball and chain of debt, I'll be able to do things with the money. Mm. That's just. That's an interesting way of, of hooking it back to that their individual interest. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it just what's good for, you know, what's better for the economy to punish somebody or to, re- or, or to put money in the pockets. I mean, it's a stimulus. Mm-hmm. If the economy needs stimulating, stop putting money in the hands of rich people because the federal government will survive without the student loans. When you default on your student loan, we don't go out of business. And the idea that somebody you know, went to school and got an education and didn't pay their student loan. If they don't have to pay that student loan, then they can get a new car. Then they can get a house. Then they can get something that, you know, 30 years ago, the cost of an education was nowhere near as high as it is now. And, and the minimum wage has certainly not kept up with the cost of tuition. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Uh, you, you were talking about how Michael, your son, is like kind of more into this. Like oh, well, you know, the, the problem I have with my son is he's a lot smarter than me. Uh-huh. Sometimes sometimes he talks over my head. I don't understand. I have to like go research things to figure out what he's talking about. And okay. that's, um, a, that's a good problem to have as a oh, father. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really good problem. I'm proud of him. I'm proud <laughs> of both my kids. Both of them are, are, are really geniuses. Um, and they're both altruistic and they're both, you know, fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, if I succeed in nothing else, I succeeded in raising civic minded, brilliant activists how, how old's uh how old's michael michael's 24 jt's 22 okay okay so yeah. so you when i originally talked to you we were like no oh, michael's the guy who knows more about this so what's what's his story well he's got a master's in public policy from umd um he's a fellow with the democracy policy collaborative he's active with the democratic socialists of america he's he's written a uh or he's he's involved with the public banking forum some of, some of his research was was published in – they've started a, a public bank in Los Angeles, which he contributed to. Hmm. You know, he's just uh, – you know, he's involved at, at the highest levels of, of the grassroots that you could be involved with. And yeah. he's, and he's, and he's a, a thoughtful, uh, you know, brilliant contributor to what he does. I mean, he's, he's just – uh, he's, he's got a better demeanor than me. I, I get, I, I think, you know, I, I, to my fault, I, I get agitated and excited too easily. And wait, wait, some- wait, wait, Bill, you have a temper? No, really? <laughs> who, who are you? <laughs> so uh, but did, did he play into your journey at all? Um, 
Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, I think I, I was a role model for him, and then he took the better, the, the, the more academic side of it, and and the, 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 the he, he didn't, he's got all the benefits of, of what I've done, and, and none of the detriments of, of, of my demeanor. But did you, no, but, but did, did, I'm guessing that that you discovered MMT before he did. I did, but uh, you know, I. I Actually, I, I think I, I think he might have been dismissive of it at first too, but it's funny when you, when you hear something from your father, you're not likely to to buy into it. But then when you hear it from somebody else, you get on board. So um, you you introduced it to him. I mean, at least cursorily talked and, about it. But, and then uh, okay, but you know, then through his public banking work and and the idea of of you know the readings that he's involved with, the people he's involved with, um, you know, he's he's become a major proponent of it. Is there an example of like one of you guys ask the other a question and learn some? No, we you know we we, we the mint the coin uh, philosophy is uh, is something that we've both adopted over the past couple of months, and I, I couldn't tell you who who first got on board with it or who didn't, but hmm. you know it's you don't really need to mint the coin as far as I'm concerned. It's just gimmick, it's, it's gimmicky. It, it helps you to understand it. I mean, it doesn't need to be a coin. What are the other options? What under modern monetary theory? You, no, well, you said it doesn't need to be a coin, though, so that kind of suggests that there are other options. Yeah, you, you could just generate generate the the zeros in the accounts and 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 say, okay, we've now created this this much, and if you want, we'll print the cash. You know, you don't. It doesn't need to be a physical coin. Right, 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 a, right. They could change the law and actually do what needs to be done, but. The, the, the thing that's what you're saying. They obviously have other options. They yeah, could. it's just a, it's a tangible item that people can wrap their heads around. But I, it, I it's illegal. But it's a legal option to get around the current nonsense. Oh, to, to, to get around the debt ceiling, um, you know, the the the, the sword of Damocles that hangs over our economy right now. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess any final words before we get off, Bill? Any final thoughts or things that you want to say? No, I, I think we've we've had a we've been all over the place, and yeah, that's uh, fine. That's fine. It was, you know, I we, learned we, we had so much stuff that we've experienced together that that uh, I don't think there was any other choice. Well, I could just say keep doing what you're doing. I hope you're getting a wider and wider audience with this stuff, and you know, I think these conversations help me flesh out my arguments with other people when I have them. And it's it's good to have the discussion with somebody who's on the same page as you, so that you know it, it doesn't become agitated or heated when you're discussing with somebody else. Because sometimes when I'm working through my thoughts, I get a little frustrated, and, and I and I for the first time, and I don't articulate it very well. But when you have a, a, a receptive audience, it's easier to to avoid that. Well, but, I mean, I'm sure a large, I'm sure most of your journey was letting go of nonsense. That once you did that, that MMT became pretty. That MMT became pretty clear, I would think. Yeah, and it's easier. It's easier to explain it now. I mean, like, I want to go back to, and and I'm not sure that you really have embraced what, I, and I want you to critically think about what I said about the Federal Reserve bought corporate debt directly. They didn't buy Treasury bills. They bought junk bonds from Hertz, Rent a Car, and American Airlines, and United Airlines, and Carnival Cruise Lines. And they bought corporate debt, and then they forgave it. Hmm. That's MMT. It's hmm. MMT. It's corporate MMT. Modern monetary theory for the stock market. Mm-hmm. And if they could do it then, and it, and it was necessary and important, and, and did we have runaway inflation from it? No. 
we're having we're having inflation from supply chain issues and 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 shortages of goods because the economy is heating up. But that's got nothing to do with whether or not the system worked. It actually was used for public good. The Treasury generated revenue, generated Treasury notes, paid debt, and saved corporations. So why can't they build the gateway tunnel? Why can't they put a high-speed rail from, from Portland, Maine to Key West, Florida, from New York to Los Angeles, from, from Seattle, Washington to San Diego, and everything in between? I mean, what, what would that do for our economy? Why can't they, they build the safest, most secure, most effective and efficient nuclear electric generating plant in the world? and eliminate some fossil fuels. Why can't they do any of these things? If they could do it to save a friggin' cruise ship mm-hmm. from going out of business. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, we, the, the walls didn't collapse. The world didn't come to an end. The, the sky didn't fall. We actually saved Wall Street from, from doom by buying, by, by creating that, by using modern monetary theory on corporate debt. There was a public good. Hmm. And Interesting. No, I'm just not familiar. Uh, I'm not doubting. I just am not familiar with that. Well, it's funny. They didn't talk so much about it. But the, all that pandemic money was forgiven, and the Treasury was where it came from. Hmm. Interesting. The federal, I mean, the Federal Reserve, not the Treasury. The Federal Reserve directly bought that debt. Cre- okay. it, 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 it bought the debt, and it forgave the debt. Hmm. And when you wrap your head around that, it's a, it's an example of modern monetary theory in practice. There has to be. I'm wondering what the law is that made that legal. So there had to be a congressional law to make that legal. So I want to know more about that. It's probably one of the pandemic uh, relief things. Uh, okay, uh, Bill, thank you so much for talking. Um, right, it was it was fun uh, reliving that. There really was an amazing summer, and you you obviously you uh, gave me some opportunity, uh, particularly with the mod- with the moderating debate. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. That was, oh, that was you, had, really... you had an exclusive on the Samson trial. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. Uh, I, yeah. I, so I'll link all that stuff uh, in the show notes. And uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun summer. It was a really exciting. It was a really exciting experience. And you know, even even though you lost, it was obviously, you know, it was it was a heck well, of a Well, did I lose? Time. The Atlantic Wind Energy Project is now coming to fruition. Uh, cannabis is now legal in, in the state of New Jersey. Um, Take the credit, man. <laughs> so, All right, Jeff. Good Bill, talking to you. Yeah, you too. I'll see you back. Have a good. See Bye. You. Bye. show is by Rectech. You can find Rectech on SoundCloud and Spotify at W-R-E-C-K underscore T-E-C-H. To record Activist MMT, I use the iOS phone app Tape-A-Call Plus for recording phone calls and Zencaster for internet-based recordings. My post-production workflow starts by editing on the iOS app AnyTune Pro Plus then transferring those timestamps to my Windows desktop. At that point, I crudely process the audio in Audacity and then implement the edits 
and do all of the final processing in the Reaper Digital Audio Workstation. Activist MMT is hosted by Libsyn, and the video teasers are created with the online Headliner app.